You're listening to Defining Moments Podcast. This is episode number 13 with Hobbs Halbert, co-owner of Killer Coffee located here in Oklahoma City. Hi everyone, my name is Wong Lam, your host of Defining Moments Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Each podcast, I bring on a family member, a colleague, a friend, a guest that has submitted their defining moment and has agreed to come onto the podcast to share it. A defining moment is a moment that either you define or you let the moment define you. We go through many of them in life. Perhaps your moment was a struggle that led you to your moment of greatness or led you to contribute to society the way that you do. In today's episode, Hobbs walks us through the mind of a professional poker player. What has the game of poker taught him in life? Hobbs takes his unique spin on how he wants to be remembered. Charlie Ergen once said, Poker is a game where you don't have to have the best hand to win. Poker is really reading other people and reading human emotion, which certainly comes into play in business. This episode is brought to you by Margie Lamb, health coach and founder of Healthy and Hustlin'. Are you fed up with the dieting and the seemingly contradictory health advice out there? Do you want to feel great in your body and accomplish your goals in a way that's empowering and not overwhelming? For me, the answer was an easy yes. Five years ago, I was pushing 200 pounds. I worked out twice a day and counted my calories. I didn't really see a movement on the scale nor my body type. So I decided to check my ego and call up a health coach. Margie, as a certified integrative nutrition health coach, works with each client as a guide and mentor to build a healthy, sustainable lifestyle that will help you reach your health goals. She offers free one-hour initial consultations. To learn more, visit her website, www.healthyandhustlin.com. That's www.healthyandhustlin.com. And hustling, spelled at H U S T L I N dot com. Have you ever scrambled with thoughts on how you were going to entertain your guest at your big event or a big event that you were hosting? Why not treat your amazing guest with live music? Allow me to personally recommend to you a saxophonist that's guaranteed to bring his best every time he performs. Verl Tolbert is his name. His bilanguage, his enthusiasm, his smile will tell you his story. Verl played at my wedding and he was also a guest on this podcast, episode number four. A natural entertainer and talented musician, Verl T, the perfect choice for all events and special occasions. Playing smooth jazz, R&B, neo-soul, blues, pop, and gospel music are his passion. Saxophonist Verl Tolbert is from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and has been playing saxophone for over 15 years. Verl grew up in the church and played in various jazz bands, which is where he had an opportunity to perform and learn the craft. Verl T plays alto, soprano saxophone, electric wind instrument, also known as the iwi, with a heavy dose of soul. Allow Verl T to help make your event something super special. For booking information, navigate to Verl T. Dot com. That's Verl spelled V-E-A-R-L, the letter T, dot com. Today's special guest is Mr. Hobbs Hobber. Welcome to the podcast, brother man. Thanks for having me on. Oh man, I'm so glad to have you on. So how's your day been? It's been good. 
just kind of running around getting everything set for next week. How was your uh, Valentine's Day dinner? I saw you at Broadway 10 <laughs> in Oklahoma City. It was good. <laughs> what did so, you have? Um, we shared the cowboy ribeye okay. special, and then yeah, yeah. we got some sushi and appetizers and sides. Yeah. So we just kind of got a mix of everything and shared. Okay. So, yeah, this week has been uh, – my birthday is actually Valentine's Day. Oh, wow. So it's kind of a – this week is always interesting because we have the dual yeah. dinners and stuff. Yeah. So I've had a dinner Wednesday. I'm going to have a dinner tonight. And I'm going to have another dinner tomorrow probably. Wow. Family and yeah. whatnot. So kind of a crazy personal week. That's cool, man. Yeah. I've never met anyone that uh, had their birthday on Valentine's Day. Yeah. it's. I don't think I have either. So I have a lot of friends <laughs> that are around my birthday. Yeah. So... That's cool. So do you get your birthday card and Valentine's Day card all on the same day? I tried I've tried to get people away from doing cards and stuff like that. Okay. I'm really not big on my birthday. Okay. I kind of spend this whole week battling with my girlfriend trying I'm trying to celebrate Valentine's Day and mm. kind of depress my birthday and she's yeah. always like, No, it's your birthday week. We're gonna do yeah. so That's uh that's very uh selfless of you, man. It's pretty cool. I, I just it's another day. I yeah. don't know. I, I, I got on my birthday, I woke up, had meetings and got <laughs> a bunch of work done and I was yeah. much happier doing that than I would have been anything else. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I, and I feel like I can resonate with that quite well because I don't really celebrate my birthdays or my birthday either. Uh, Margie though, she, she loves celebrating birthdays and so she makes it a pretty, a pretty special day and you know, I kind of like, ah, yeah, it's just another day. Wake yeah. up and could do my thing. My birthday usually lands around the Thanksgiving holiday. It's on November 26th. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I, one good, good part of it though, is I do get to see a lot of, I have an excuse to go to do all those dinners with friends and family. Yeah, of so, course. And that's always, it's good to have that. Yeah. Cause you, it's very easy to get lost in whatever yeah. you're doing yeah. and not see people. Yeah. So. So you're also the co-owner of, Killer Coffee in Oklahoma City spelled K-L-L-R. Right. Right. So how did you come up with that name? Um, we paid someone. Okay. So we, I worked with a local designer and branding guy named Coon Vega. Uh-huh. And he, we had a couple two-hour powwows about showing ideas of what yeah. I wanted the brand to be about, uh-huh. kind of aesthetically things that I liked. So I went through and showed him a bunch of old album covers and I kind of wanted it to be approachable, but a little bit edgy may not be the right word, mm-hmm. but like a little bit not sterile. The two things that I wanted to get away from were earth tones, mm-hmm. which is very common in coffee because mm-hmm. it's a very agricultural product. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, and I wanted to get away from this sort of Scandinavian sterile trend just because I like all of that stuff. It just, mm-hmm. we didn't, you don't need another one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys did a really good job on the making of the logo because, right. it, number one, it is very, very catchy. And also, compliments to you, not just on your logo, but your taste, uh, the taste of the coffee. Because my friend, during Christmas time, we went and searched out your coffee because I met you at Whole Foods and we were talking about your coffee. And so, we went to Clarity Coffee mm-hmm. and got, he got a bag for his sister and his sister loves it. And his sister was all about the design of Killer Coffee, the the logo. So, yeah, well Coon done. really knocked it out of the park. Yeah. So, it was good. And the coffee, all the coffee credit goes to Steve Willingham, yeah. who is also the owner of Clarity yeah. Coffee, which is not related 
two killer, but mm-hmm. he's the our coffee czar. Oh yeah. Yeah, he everything that has to do with picking the beans, profiling them mm-hmm. to the like getting the profile to match, mm-hmm. all of that Steve. So and I'm really here for trying to create the awareness, doing the brand, outlining the strategy. Yeah. Getting stuff, getting it to where he has to make more and more coffee. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a good thing. Right. That's a really good thing and keeping it local too yeah. and producing not just a local coffee, however, just the taste of it. Right. Very right. authentic, very unique yeah. to and your brand. We also have a third partner who is actually my father and he's kind of on the finance mm-hmm. sales side as well. Yeah. So that's the team. So what's the uh, process of, just a real quick, how does this coffee the bean, you know, everyone's got their own ways mm-hmm. of coming up with how we create this, clean it and dry it, et cetera. What's, what's your take on it, man? Okay. So right now we have, if we want to go super nerdy, when, so coffee starts as a cherry, mm-hmm. like actually a fruit that has two seeds in it, which are the coffee beans. Okay. So, which most, I think most people are not aware of. Uh, nope, not me. But they look like, literally look little, a cross between a cherry and a cranberry. Okay. It's kind of interesting. Um, so, those get picked. They get brought to a washing station or a, basically a table that they dry on. Mm. Which, so the two methods are, they can be, wa- the fruit can get washed off the seeds either with water, yeah. which is the washed method and it's the most common method. Yeah. It's the most consistent method also okay it's, you're just getting all the fruit away and then the second method is literally letting the sun dry okay dry it out and that has it's a more you have to be more more careful with uh-huh. that process you have the you have to spend time rotating them mm-hmm. making sure everything dries evenly and there's mm-hmm. no excess moisture that ends up molding makes sense right but yeah. what that creates is it allows for more variation in the flavor and more more natural flavors yeah truly, yeah because it's just literally letting the live enzymes do their work. Yeah, yeah. So that's so we have one sun dried coffee and five wash co- six wash co- wow. coffees right now. Dang. So it's a process. It's not just like oh, here's yeah, a coffee which bean. That's all done yeah. way before it gets to us. Okay. So we get it after that process is done, and it's just dry green beans mm-hmm. of coffee, mm-hmm. and then we sample or we Steve goes through and samples a whole bunch of coffees mm-hmm. and roast them to different profiles so different very levels of light medium dark which we don't typically do yeah much dark coffee yeah um and he picks what he likes and what is available and the quantity is big enough that we need to get it and it's where we go wow man so and he does all of that by himself yeah and kills it <laughs> figuratively and literally yep <laughs> Where does your coffee? Where can we get a hold of your coffee? Right now, we can get, in, Clarity Coffee's the place that has the most varieties of our coffee mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Cafe Cacao, Cafe Antigua, Packard's soon to be Honey Bunny, which is opening okay. in a couple of weeks. I think they're doing their soft opening as we're recording this. Very cool. So they'll they should be open by the time this gets released. It's okay. on twenty third. Um, Paul's Pizza Kitchen has our coffee. Lots of places. Yeah. Right now. Um, so a couple of places in Tulsa. So, uh, and then we're hoping to get into grocery stores sometime in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So, w- and then online, obviously. Yeah, for sure. How do you 
I guess, choose? Do you choose where you want your coffee to be sold and served? We're, we try to be as un, we're not too picky, but mm. we don't want to be someplace that is going to not take care of the product, yeah. I guess is what I'm saying. So like, yeah. there's a minimum level of, if we've gone into a shop while we're looking at talking to them and their coffee's mm. like maybe cold or something like that, that would be the only thing that would yeah prevent us from going anywhere yeah so yeah really we just wanted to be have as many people as possible to have access to really good coffee yeah yeah that makes sense and to me drink it however you want <laughs> i've never had it on ice man have you had it on ice i have yeah yeah we do cold brews and stuff mm-hmm. in the summer and i've been experimenting with some weird methods of making cold brew yeah so one of them's with sous vide which is you vacuum put them in basically mason jars and uh-huh. cook or brew it in a water bath mm-hmm and it, you, then you can infuse all kinds of flavors and stuff that way. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out how to make that economical because currently it requires a ton of coffee and very <laughs> much yield. Yeah. This uh, leads to my next question. You, know, you also mentioned that you like to cook. Yes. So is there a correlation with coffee and food or? In general, my number one hobby outside of working is food and beverage okay. in general. I, okay. I love going out to, to eat. I love everything about restaurants. I love trying wines and beers coffee tea pretty much anything i just like experiencing different stuff and cooking is extremely cathartic for me Uh so when i've i'm super stressed out i will whip out a knife and some vegetables and just (laughs) pretty much chop and it it's for whatever reason it allows me to it's enough activity that my brain's occupied i guess yeah but it's relaxing yeah so it's just one of those things that i really enjoy so yes the experimentation comes out of when i learn something from the food and like from the food world mm. or like the culinary world, I see if I can port it onto our ingredient, which yeah. is coffee. So I think one of the things we would like to do long-term is treat coffee more as an ingredient and see what ways that maybe new ways that coffee can be introduced into other stuff. Oh man. So that sounds good. Long-term. We got to get our feet completely under us first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense. I had a, when I saw you at the restaurant the other night, I had a bison prime rib and it had butter, truffle, coffee ground, mm-hmm. something, you know. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And it was a pretty good flavor, man. It really, uh, really knocked it out. I'll so. have to try that sometime. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite dish to cook? Or to cook? Make? Um, I don't know that I have a specific favorite dish, but I generally like cooking things that are simple. Mm-hmm. Are, they don't they're not too fussy to make and yeah. take uh, have some sort of technique yeah coming back to like i really enjoy prepping which kind of sounds weird but it's the process of taking vegetable or protein or whatever mm-hmm. and cutting it into the right size that it cooks the right way yeah. it cooks evenly right you don't have different like some vegetable that's raw some of it's that's too mushy because you've chopped it unevenly i like controlling the heat mm-hmm. making sure that just the whole process of making sure the little things are right yeah are is really enjoyable to me yeah so it's and maybe it was subconsciously my replacement for baseball okay so growing up i would always i mean i just spent hours in batting cages or on the field just like same repetition over and over mm-hmm. getting your mm-hmm. form right getting it to where you don't once you're in the game you don't think about oh my feet need to be here they just right. go there yeah that so makes a lot that of process sense. is relaxing to me 
man, I like that. And that makes me feel good about my conscious decision on the coffee that I'm drinking that you've uh, brought me and I've had your brand because you can taste the flavor in it and you can tell it's not commercialized where it's manufactured as a assembly line. You know, there's one bag and it's been sitting on the shelf for right. months or weeks. You know, yep. you can definitely tell. And that, that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. Yeah. And we roast to order. So whatever... We roast two days a week, yeah. so Monday, Thursday, and when whatever orders come in by Monday at, say, 10 a.m., mm-hmm. that's what's going to get roasted on Monday, and if you miss that date, you're waiting till the Thursday roast date, unless we just happen to have overage that we roasted, but yeah. that doesn't, we've gotten pretty good at not having too yeah. much of that. That's awesome, man. Yep. Fresh coffee, and you know, if you miss a date, then you have to wait, and that makes sense, Yep. because if, as a consumer... I want to taste freshness. I want to taste the goodness. And so if I have to wait, well, I guess I'm going to have to wait. Yeah. You know, it makes sense to me. So you, so you talk about baseball, man. Uh, how far did you play baseball? I quit. When did I quit? I'm trying to remember if it, it was either. I think it was right before my senior year. Okay. And basically the decision for me was I realized my goal from the time I was eight years old was to go play baseball at University of Texas. Yeah. So I was born in Dallas. Okay. Um, which I'm now an OU fan, so it's <laughs> kind of funny. But um, I was a huge fan of Augie Garrido. Okay. He was Texas coach the whole time I was growing up. Got to the point where I realized that I was five, when I was a senior in high school, I was 5'8", 125, 130. Yeah. And it was pretty clear that I was not going to be playing Division One baseball. <laughs> I probably could have played smaller school, uh-huh. but... And then on top of that, I realized if I wasn't going to play Division One, really wasn't going to go play pro. Yeah. So I needed to find something else to do. Okay. So I kind of basically just took all those hours that I had after school. And for a while, I was just going to the gym. Yeah. Because it was, had to do something in those two or three hours, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually that led me into at least having time to play poker yeah. and kind of discover poker. Yeah. And poker became like that, during my senior year, poker became my thing. Yeah. So, and it was, I don't really remember what caused that to happen. I definitely remember watching the stereotypical Chris Moneymaker on ESPN <laughs> when in, like, everyone else, but I would have, but that was six years before I actually started truly playing. Yeah. But I was probably just trying to figure out how to fill time. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then that led into an interesting couple of years of my life where I was kind of part time between being a professional poker player and a bad student in yeah. college. <laughs> um, but yeah, poker was definitely one of those things. Or was it's the thing that I think has shaped how I approach everything now mm. by far. It's um, if there wasn't the gambling addiction aspect of it, I think it's some. I would say that it's something that everyone should learn how to do because you yeah. learn so much about your. It's it's so much about controlling your mindset. Yeah. So fundamentals are important every in everything. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know when you're playing your A game and when mm-hmm. you should stop playing, mm-hmm. you have no chance. Yeah. Of being a professional long term, you can be absolutely the best person or the best player in the world when you're on your A game and mm-hmm. go broke. If your mindset's not right, yeah, which is something that I definitely struggled with through baseball, and it's what still learning. It's still a journey, yeah. But it's the thing that I've. It's the stakes were high enough that I had to learn, and Mm -hmm. I had to learn on my own. I didn't have a coach or someone 
adjusting me and telling me what I was doing wrong. I had to figure it out. Yeah. You said the stakes are high enough. What were the stakes? Well, <laughs> uh, I tend to not, I try not to talk about it too much, yeah. but um, I, really what I meant by the stakes is when you play poker and you make a bad decision, you feel it instantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you see like the chips go away from yep. you right then and there. Yeah. Whereas in business or in school, a lot of time, or even in sports, a lot of times if you don't make the correct decision where it might be, you just didn't feel like going on that run today. Yeah. You don't feel that repercussion for however long that is. Makes sense right? to me. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas yeah. poker, it's just like, it's like a cattle prod every it's, time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the chips go away, you can feel it yep. and you can definitely see it. Yeah. yeah. And then you have, and it's, and then it's about getting those, handling those really, those burst of emotions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I could see it. it could be an emotional roller coaster because your winning could be X amount or your, your losses could mm-hmm. be huge. And then you're trying to, trying to win more to chase your losses right. and try to get back to as in golfers in golf terminology to say par even. Right. You know? And so, yeah. The, anytime you're saying, I'm just going to play until I get to X, Y, Z spot. Mm. Absolutely. You should be quitting. Yeah. Cause it's, it's just a, not the correct mindset to be in. Um, the other thing, one of the other big lessons, probably arguably the most important lesson when you play poker, it's really easy to be like, to say that, Oh, I made the right decision, but I got unlucky. Mm-hmm. Like you have that innate or not yeah, it's that innate excuse built in. Yeah. And if you give into that excuse, yeah, you're done. Right. There's a lot of things that go into it, but if you really want to underpin the difference between a winning and a losing player, mm-hmm. it's that thought process right there. Yeah. I mean, you have to own and it's the same thing in life. Yeah. I mean, you can't control you control very little in your life. Yeah. And yeah. It's just about making the best out of the opportunities that you get. So, and taking responsibility for pretty much everything that happens to you. Yeah. I like that, man. Taking responsibility for everything that happens to you. Yeah. Yeah. Taking ownership in that. So when you play poker, do you go to the casinos? I played on, when I was playing what I called professionally yeah. in college, I played online. Okay. So, Cause I played from mostly the most of my hands were played from 18 to 20 ish, 21 ish. So I was not old enough to be in casinos at that point, <laughs> but uh, I've played a little bit since turning 21 and yeah. results are definitely not good. <laughs> it's a very different game playing one-on-one and it's a, it's a different kind of mental game mm-hmm. where, so online I could play 12 tables at a time. Yeah. There's always stimulation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When you are only playing 20 to 25% of your hands, which is roughly what you like a winning strategy would have. When you're one tabling, that means you're sitting at the table a lot of with a lot of idle time. Yeah, and it's really, it's a lot more tempting to play hands that you shouldn't play. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I definitely, especially when I was younger, was terrible at. <laughs> I played too many hands online uh-huh. as it was like my, I'm naturally a pretty aggressive, like I want to splash around person. Yeah, but that becomes a huge problem live. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a different discipline. That makes sense. You ever. Have, so do you, have you been to a casino to play like a local yeah like i mean River i've probably spent 40 50 hours playing in casinos yeah so it's um it's it's fun yeah. I, I, that i definitely have to go into that thinking about this is something that i'm doing for fun not for trying to make however much an hour yeah when you're sitting at the poker table though when you do go to a casino yeah. there's 
all sorts of personalities around the table, obviously. Right. Different, just different people. So how has that helped you in your life? And how's doing that, sitting at the poker table with different personalities helped you in business? It definitely teaches you how to talk to different people. Yeah. So one of the, especially younger, the online geek poker player stereotype are really bad playing live because they are not... People who go to the casino go for a different reason than when you go online, right? Mm. Part of it is the human interaction and a lot of people want to be there and they're just, they're there to kill six hours, have a few drinks and like, yeah. talk to people, right? Right. If you are go to the table and you put your headphones on in the hoodie, which is what you see in all the <laughs> tournaments, you it creates almost a, a target on you. Okay. Whereas if you're bantering back with and forth with that guy, like he's not, if he has a tough decision, he's more likely to, if you're, so... If you put him in a tough decision for all of his chips mm. as a bluff, he's mm. a lot more likely to lay it down to you if you've been friendly to him. I got Does you. that make sense? Because he doesn't yeah. have that emotional reason to want to beat you. Mm -hmm. So I think in going into any kind of negotiation or sales thing, it's the same thing. You want that person to not be attacking you, right? You want right. to be on, you don't have to agree with them, but you need to... I guess the word would be empathize with them. You yeah. need to see it from their point of view and right. articulate that you do understand right. their point of view to them. Right, right. Now, that doesn't mean you have to agree with them or manipulate them into thinking you agree. Right. You can say, I see how, from your perspective, mm -hmm. that's the case. Mm -hmm. From where we're sitting, we need X, Y, and Z to happen. Right. Which you're obviously not having this negotiation at a poker table, but it's a similar, you're trying to make people comfortable with you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can I can see where that actually is probably one of the more important um, human like the psychology of it, yeah. right? And the more you empathize with someone, the more open they're going to be and not want to go out there and just smash right. you and just take you for everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that makes a lot of and sense. And even if you watch poker on TV, you can definitely see that from the people who came up playing live. Mm -hmm. Like they understand human behavior more than the people who are basically playing 25% of their hands in this situation because yeah. XYZ is happening and they just run that formula over and over. Yeah. Both are winning strategies. Mm -hmm. The problem with doing the more formulaic version of that live mm -hmm. is that you don't have as many hands happening. So when you go to a casino, you play 20 to 25 hands an hour. Mm -hmm. It's kind of what you get in. Online, I was getting anywhere from two to 400 hands an hour. Wow. So you're, and you're an engineer. like Yeah when you get that many opportunities the math works out a lot faster yep yeah and you can push smaller edges yeah so just it's a different just taking whatever scenario you get into and then there's the added when you're live and you can see someone to see if they're visibly frustrated mm -hmm. that's a cue you can get live to change your strategy mm -hmm. whereas online you can sometimes you can tell by betting patterns or mm -hmm. erratic play, like how fast they're playing, if they're frustrated or not, or relaxed or whatever. But yeah. you definitely reading that part of people becomes important. Yeah. It's less about like seeing their eye twitch, like that the <laughs> movies and stuff playing with, right. and it's a general being like, okay, his mindset right now is frustrated, uh -huh. or his mindset right now is confident and relaxed. Yeah. You approach those two people very differently. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. So what I'm getting out of this so far is if you're at the table, even if you're emotionally kind of aggravated or feeling great, you got to start thinking logically yes. on your hand and how you're going to play. Mm -hmm. There's um, I actually picked up a book 
within the last couple of weeks. It's called Computer Science Distilled. Mm-hmm. And it it's a pretty short book. And it's designed to basically either be a crash course in computer science okay. or to be a refresher for what you learn in your four years of a computer science degree. Yeah. I picked it up because I have some interest in learning how to program, to build some stuff for myself. Mm. Um, but the first chapter of it goes into, I thought it was super interesting because it went into breaking stuff up into logical chunks Yeah, and building these models around individual pieces of whatever problem you're trying to solve right? so that the computer can crunch those individual components. And that made, that, I never thought about computer that way obviously mm. but that's the same thing you're having in a poker you're breaking all of these like individual parts into logical chunks and then coming up with a solution at the end so i think that book i haven't gotten all the way through it but at least the first chapter of that book i yeah. think should be required reading that sounds good man it sounds like my type of yeah. book <laughs> yeah <laughs> but even non i think non-technical people would get a lot of out of it too yeah because even if you're not gonna be sitting in in a spreadsheet or programming or whatever learning how to break complex problems into smaller logical chunks mm-hmm. makes your life easier just wholesale across the board. Yeah. 110% agree with you on that. Yeah. That is for sure, man. I like it, dude. So my next question for you, Hobbs, is how do you contribute to society? I think I need to do a better job of this. <laughs> but besides the giving money here and there to stuff I care about, mm. what I want to be what I want to give back to society is share the lessons that I've learned about mindset Mm -hmm. and about how to delve into problems and solve them, Mm -hmm. figure out how to share that outside of my organizations that I'm involved in and really just help people do whatever they want to do, whether it's, they want to be an Instagram like food blogger, right? Or, they want to, maybe they felt like they chose the wrong degree and they want to go back into computer science. Just figure out how to start approaching complex problems, figure, solve them for yourself, mm-hmm. and then go after whatever path you want to go after. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people just get on this treadmill of, I do well in school, I go get a law degree, I go be a lawyer, and they don't really think about what they actually want to do. Yeah. They just know that those are the checkboxes that you hit or that people around them have hit mm-hmm. to be successful. But mm-hmm. everyone has their own journey and yeah. their own path. And I think having the fundamental building blocks of decision-making allows you to really go down your path that makes you the happiest. Mm-hmm. So one of I like Steve Jobs has this quote that he talks about how the world seems I'm going to watch this, but basically he means the world, or he says the world seems like it exists and you're like going down this path that's predefined for you mm-hmm. until you realize that other humans put up those guardrails, right? Yeah. And he's like, well, now you have that realization, you realize that you can put a dent or you can shape what guardrails are around you. Mm-hmm. And I guess it comes back to really learning to own everything about you, right? Yeah. Not to... You control everything. If someone is in your life that's holding you back, mm. you're choosing to let them be in your life. Right. If you don't have time because whatever, like you're choosing to be busy for whatever that is. Mm. And it's about 
really calibrating everything around you to go where you want to go. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's an extremely hard thing to do. It takes a ton of discipline and I definitely constantly battling that with myself. Yeah. But that's, I don't know how, I don't feel like I've done a great job of that so far other than within my close circle, but Mm -hmm. that's what I want to contribute. Yeah. We got to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And your close circle, whomever that might be, or, you know, in your circle is, you got to start somewhere in, what I, I look at it is I'll be as simple as listening to you talk about coffee and cooking and the expression I see in your face because it, it, it lights up and you take pride and passion in the, into those mm-hmm. two things, man. And I can definitely appreciate it. And not only just by the taste, but by your your body language. And you seem happy doing it. And what you just talked about, the the treadmill and it. It gets boring because you're just one one direction pretty much, right. right? And so you're talking about, man, you control a lot of different things that you control if you want to. Right. If you want to, man, I like it. And it's never too late to change paths too. I think a lot of people also go down a path, whether it be with a relationship or your job or mm. your hobby, mm-hmm. where you were very happy being the attorney for the first 20 years of your life, right? right. 40 years of your life. Yeah. And then maybe you were really happy because you got your kids through school and now you're like, okay, do I really want to be going through, right? Doing this grind for the last 20 or 30 years of my life. Right. We're at a point right now in 2018, there's so much information available Mm. and so many gatekeepers are being, losing their power effectively Mm. that you, there's just no reason. There's no excuses anymore. Yeah. Like what my grandfather had option wise is abysmal compared to what i have in oh, terms yeah. of options yeah yeah and you can control that yep. by researching on the internet yep doing something Take and, free yeah. stanford classes yeah free wharton classes yeah and if you don't know if you want to make a business out of your sewing mm-hmm. like there is a class of the top business schools in the world have free lectures online mm-hmm. you don't get the one-on-one work right but you're getting like you have access to all the same information yep the other thing that the internet empowers is if you are spending the time to get access to that information, you can find someone online that's willing to help you. Mm-hmm. It might be in a message board. You mm-hmm. may not know their name. Right. Right. And maybe yeah. some random person on Twitter. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's true. It's kind of like the, going back to you and visiting with uh, Kuhn Vega. Yep. Right. About your logo. You know, you are going to come up with that on your own, however you express on what you're looking for. Right. And he's got that, that, uh, brain that creative yeah. you know here's what i'm thinking right and you guys sat down for a couple hours and bam yeah you got a really nice looking logo catchy yep. one so yeah that that makes a lot of sense man and it's kind of like me on this uh podcast too the logo that we have you know I, there's no way i'm coming up with that logo it looks clean it looks pretty sharp you know i i went to a uh, crowdsource and source yeah. it out just and it was it's really cool because you have all these creative people on the internet and yeah, they they want to make money too, and so well, let's do this together. How how are you going to make money? Well, create me a logo. Yeah, if I choose it, then you get it. And you, I like by using an Upwork or an Elance that you can use someone in the Philippines who might mm-hmm. have to, I don't know, work in agriculture for nothing, right? But instead, that you can do a logo which is super cheap to you. Yep. Right. Yep. But it's a week's pay for them. Yeah, or more, or you're, more, or whatever. You're absolutely right, man. And that's something that the the world's in a cool place there's a lot of 
other stuff going on but yeah. the world is in one of the coolest places it's ever been yeah yeah no i i'm with you 100 percent, man i i felt you know you're you, you're talking about that contribution and you want to become better at, and i admire that i feel like you're on a great start man and what you just uh, told me um I'm, I'm super pumped yeah I'm, I, re- I really am i'm excited yeah i feel like there's more clarity there than there had been in yeah the recent past yeah well, I can tell yeah. just by, I mean, this is not to sound cheesy, but your smile. I yeah. mean, you, it tells a story, right? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, man. So we go through life and we have all these moments that, that shaped us, that molded us into who we are right now. Mm-hmm. And you've probably been through a few of them in your life. Man, is there a defining moment for Hobbes right now that stands out from other moments that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I think... There was, there's a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think to a large degree, the compounding nature of a lot of decisions get you to this point. But picking the inflection point for me would probably be when I started taking poker serious. When it became something that I did a couple nights a week to replacing my baseball, the work ethic. Yeah. That was, that's definitely become, it's definitely, it's what shaped the last 10 years of my life. Mm Mm-hmm. So just learning that, and it, I mean, it was painful. There's lots of me <laughs> throwing my, my my mouse, computer mouse, and <laughs> getting frustrated. But in like having some months where I lost a lot of money and mm-hmm. months that I made a lot of money. And it, mm-hmm. it's once you learn that you can do something that everyone tells you that nobody can do or you can't yeah. do. Like, mm-hmm. like everyone told me, like your playbook or like how much money did you lose all the time, right? Yeah. I think... It, it definitely changes your outlook to the point where it's hard to go down someone else's path for you. Yeah. Which is, if I look back at positively and negatively, most of my, any moment that I regret in my life is because I followed someone else, else's path for me and all of the best things have been because I just made a decision for myself mm-hmm. based on what I knew. So and poker was the biggest of those moments. Yeah. Did you ever feel like you were becoming... Um, addicted to poker um (laughs) i say that i have an obsessive personality Mm -hmm. my girlfriend says that i get addicted to a lot of things (laughs) anytime that i so if i find a new band yeah i will spend the next three hours reading their wikipedia and everything i just have that personality where if i get if something interests me i go deep and if it doesn't interest me it just doesn't exist so That's fair. addicted in it since that I couldn't stop when I needed to. No, mm-hmm. but I definitely had days where I was playing 36 of 48 hours and, <laughs> but I, it's not too dissimilar to how I work. Right. Like I, I'm very momentum based. Mm-hmm. So I, most days I don't eat lunch because once I've gotten out of the, like if I sit down for an hour and eat lunch, it's really hard for me to get back going. Okay, so like Does that the make zone. Sense? Like it's like yeah, it's it's just very momentum based. I got you. So that's the best answer I have for that. No, that that makes sense. There's plenty of times where I feel a lot of the, my work is momentum based. I feel like I'm onto something on a project, and I'll stay out to work an hour, two hours, or maybe on a Friday we usually get off at noon. I'll stay a couple of hours just because there's no one around, and then I feel like I'm onto something. Right. So yeah, man, d- dude, I'm with you 110%. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. And I think the other aspect of that part of me is once I get to a certain level of knowledge about something, uh-huh. I tend to lose interest, yeah. and I want to learn more. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think 
which I think is ironic with me dropping out of school. I'm very obsessed with learning and I like thinking about how to learn better and faster. Right. And I don't know. I just, I don't, I'm not good sitting still. Mm -hmm. I want to learn. That's good, man. Yeah. So what you're telling me is you're not complacent. Yeah. And this is great for your business and great for your girlfriend. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's some stresses I'm taking. I definitely am taking my own unique path. Yeah. But yeah. Um, long term, I think I'm on the right in the right direction. Yeah. Was there ever a point in time where you went through a phase where, man, I'm kind of ashamed that I acted like that? Um, there was a time I've since gotten to the point where I realized that there's just no point in dwelling on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is how if at I would have treated school differently if I was in school now, mm-hmm. just because I understand the value. I now understand the value of if you are in something doing it well. Whereas like, so now I have the choice of if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it well. And if I'm not going to do it well, I just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Even if it seems, I guess my, the decision is, I don't think, I think I should have dropped out of school sooner. I guess is what okay. I'm going with this, right? Yeah. Doing two things mediocrely mm-hmm. didn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. Like if I was going to be in school, you need to be in school and you need to do what you need to do. Mm-hmm to make it worth your time. Right, right. Otherwise, you're just basically locking yourself into a prison for mm-hmm. the three hours that you're doing whatever task it is. It doesn't have to be school. It could be a bad job that you want to get out of. Right. And if you're not pushing yourself to where you want to be in 10 years, yeah. I mean, I don't know what you're doing. So now, looking back, I don't, I don't dwell on it, but I do regret how I acted, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're saying that you were doing mediocre in school, so looking back at it, you probably should have dropped out a lot earlier and focused that on, time on on the things I wanted to you do. You wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it was at the time that it was poker, I would have made a lot more money playing poker, which yeah. could have would have either given me the flexibility to go back and focus on school. Yeah. Right. Or start businesses sooner. Yeah. If it was when I was in school and working, mm. I could have just been working. Yeah. Like what those com- those hours that I lost compounded. Mm. Like, Versus learning, I don't know what I even learned most of the time about old antiquated marketing techniques and like managerial accounting. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like most of those. And another thing about coming back to 2018, 30 years ago, if you needed to have that skill and you didn't learn it in college, it would have been exponentially harder to learn it. Mm-hmm. Now, in anything in a business now, you can learn in pretty much three or four days of intense study online. Mm-hmm. so while i'm not anti-college like most people are mm-hmm. i do think or not let's say not most people are like most <laughs> people who i think have the attitude of vote dropping out or whatever it might be like go work uh-huh. i'm not i think it's a very i think college is the best place to buy time and figure out what you want to do mm-hmm. if you don't know what you want to do yeah like there's nothing better than it you learn a ton mm-hmm. you learn if you approach it correctly you learn a lot about interacting with people yeah. and teamwork. Yeah. So there's all of these core skills that you learn. But if you know what you want to do, you can also learn those in the quote unquote real world. Mm-hmm. And I think going into debt for it is just bad. Yeah. It's a racket. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, number one, I'll tell you, I, I love the authentic and genuine answer you gave. And it's, I feel like it's the whole truth. Because you're right, in college isn't for everyone. Right. You know, and so 
if it's not for you and you already know that, then focus your energy on something right. else that you feel like it's worth your time. Yeah. Right. So, Especially, yeah. I mean, coming back, if you want to be a doctor, you don't have a choice. You want to be an engineer, you don't have a choice. Yeah. There are certain things that college is absolutely essential for. And we don't want people designing bridges without accreditation. <laughs> yeah. But if you're going to start a business and like out of your whatever, like if you're a designer, mm -hmm. just go start designing stuff. Yeah. There's no better way to learn. That's absolutely right, man. If you're self-motivated. Yeah, I agree. 110% man, that's self-motivation. So my question then leads to this is we talk about self-motivation. Do you think self-motivation lasts for a very long time, forever? I think lack of motivation usually stems from doing something you, that doesn't make you happy. Uh -huh. Right? Yeah. I think if you look at kids that get really good at something, it's because they have the freedom to just spend all the time they want on it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, the best athletes are playing from the time they're tiny. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think you don't lose motivation if you like something and you're taking the time to get good at it. Because mm -hmm. to a large degree, you, what you, the things that you're interested in are the things that you're good at generally. Mm -hmm. So as long as you're pushing forward and putting in the work, I think it's ongoing. I mean, there's a reason Warren Buffett's still... Like Warren Buffett doesn't need to be working at 88 years old or whatever he is now. Right, right. Right. <laughs> That's very true. Very true, man. Speaking of businesses, do you have any... Uh, we, we talked about a little bit about some of the ideas and maybe businesses that you might be getting into or starting. Yep. Is there something you'd like to elaborate on? Um, One of the things that I'm picking up more on is the kind of doing the consulting. Yeah. So like getting people... I. I it took me a while to define what that was, mm -hmm. but giving, getting people into, I think I want it all to stem from the foundation of mindset okay. and really like figuring out how to put stuff into chunks. It's the hardest part about a business is to a large degree, is just sitting down and figuring out what you need to do. Mm -hmm. There's always a thousand fires burning. Right. There's always an, just a, incredible list of stuff that you need to get done it's like figuring out how to prioritize the ones that have the largest impact mm -hmm. and then the ones that could kill you if you don't do yeah kill you yeah. figuratively right <laughs> um so doing more and more of that i probably won't market that as much i'm just really trying to get killer to a point where it's not quite so chaotic mm -hmm. like a lot like we're just growing and like some months we have too much inventory and some months we have not enough and right. just figuring out those growing pains right. of a less than a one-year-old company. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that stuff's great. And then I'm sure I'll be on to something. I'll be on to, I'm sure, multiple things yeah. over time. Yeah. Oh, I, I have no I, doubt. Coming back to the focus and saying no, like trying to not spread myself too thin. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. And I think that's a good thing, especially for an entrepreneur is not stretching stretching yourself too thin because once you do that you're saying yes to so many things yep. and so many people that if you don't provide the just even good service right they probably get dropped and then oh, for sure yeah well there's just a lot of frictional cost for switching your mindset from different things yeah. so even within killer we have different types of clients mm -hmm. that have to be approached or talked to in different ways yeah right? for sure yeah so trying to get someone to pick go pick up a bag of coffee from clarity 
you do it that differently versus trying to call a restaurant to use your coffee and mm. our training and all of our stuff that we add on yeah to really um i guess that's the other part of killer that we didn't really talk about is on our wholesale side yeah we also sell we do everything from uh, we sell espresso machines brewers grinders like anything that you need to base start mm. we're there to help you provide wow so when we do the training we have paper cups lids sugar syrups yeah. sauces eventually we want to be basically from like cleaner to coffee wow one stop because right now one of the big um, white spaces we identified mm -hmm. was that a coffee shop owner right now to get everything from toilet paper to what you need to make just everything that makes a business run right mm -hmm. from your core product to the stuff like paper towels you have to go to 10 to 15 different suppliers mm -hmm. right like you go to your cleaning supplier yeah. for this yeah. you want to be a place where some a coffee shop owner can be like oh crap somehow we ran out of this like you go to one store mm -hmm. you can get it all and mm -hmm. it just comes with maybe once or twice a week you get a delivery that has this week it's all your coffee plus napkins and cleaner mm -hmm. next week can be all your coffee plus syrups and something else okay the differentiation that we're trying to make yeah because right now it's while i'm very proud of our coffee yeah and i think it's easily the best coffee in our area mm -hmm. there's a lot of places that do really good coffee right now mm -hmm. it's become much easier to do coffee really well there's mm -hmm. a lot more education about it there's mm -hmm. we have to step it up yeah to really be a good partner yeah. for wholesale clients yeah so and the same thing for offices yeah. So grinder, beans, brewer, any kind of sweeteners. Yeah. You just get it from one place, it gets dropped off, and you're good. Sounds like you're the man for the uh, the rise. And I say that in the whole sense of it because we talked about earlier in the podcast, the complacency does not exist with Hobbs. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's a great thing. It's, yeah. it's definitely a great thing for your life and business. And like I said, for your girlfriend too, man. You get too stagnant and too comfortable. You start losing. For sure. You become vulnerable. Yeah. I but think. you just have to balance that with, once yeah. again, not taking too much on. Yeah. Yeah. And being focused and not all over the place. Yeah. Focus on the things that's, value, that's going to bring value, that's valuable yep. to Hobbs, his life, and his business, man. Yeah. Makes sense to me. What a, How do you want your friends, family, how do you want the world to remember Hobbs? Ooh. Besides, you got a cool, unique name. <laughs> <laughs> um, I th I think the most important thing is I won't want to some. This is going to sound to some degree. I don't really care how I'm viewed mm -hmm. in the future. Like I m ultimately want. I think I'm just coming back to going your own path. I think mm -hmm. making yourself happy is what allows you to help to make the biggest impact. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. Go, I guess instead of being the metaphor I use a lot, instead of trying to be like being an entrepreneur, instead of wanting to be remembered as Steve Jobs or whatever, I think I would prefer to be remembered as someone who put other people, instead of being the person that was the quote unquote rainmaker, mm -hmm. or like the driving force, the visionary, I want someone to, that was, I want to be remembered as someone who was good at putting other people in a position 
to best succeed. I think to me, that's what a great CEO or a great entrepreneur does is mm-hmm. that they build something that, that operates at a high level outside of them. Yeah. Like a business that once the founder or the CEO leader of it, when he retires, if the business becomes worthless, mm-hmm. like what does that do for all the employees? Like it's not, to me, that's not what you should be striving for. Right. And I think some people's ego gets in the way of they want to be that person that's like leading everything, right? Mm-hmm. Like that everything depends on what they do. Mm-hmm. I think it should be the opposite where whoever's building it should be putting all the people around them in the place that they succeed the most and yeah. the business can operate independently of them. Mm-hmm. I so like it, man. something bad happens, they still have jobs. If yeah. it gets sold, they still have jobs, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Keep the economy at least. You don't have to keep working yeah. on one thing so that everyone else gets to keep their job. Right. A lot of business owners get into that spot where they want to like maybe take a step back because they're comfortable and they want to spend more time with their grandkids, but they can't because what happens when they leave? Mm-hmm. There's no one to take over. Mm-hmm. So that I would love to have a portfolio of businesses that I did that to. Mm-hmm. They just can go there independent, independently can just exist. Man, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, the way you t- tied that in to your coffee. Yep. You want to sell coffee. You want to sell filters. You want to sell grinders. You want to sell everything. It's not just solely on coffee because mm-hmm. you can be, you can have all these businesses and something else to start and grow. Yep. Yeah. Man, I like it, dude. One last thing. Back in December 2017, we okay. met at Whole Foods. And we both talked about how we're both introverted and we agreed to that. And we talked about coaching and I coach soccer and you're talking about maybe potentially coaching baseball. And that thought came across as you're talking about putting people in the right spots so they can excel and they can help the team as a whole. My question to you is, have you thought more about coaching baseball? I have. I need to make it happen. I don't have a plan to make it happen yet. Yeah, yeah. I definitely need to get, like I said, killer, more stable. Right. Stable being just systems in place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of course. Um, So we'll see. And I'm probably going to have to do a couple months of rehab on my shoulder. I figured (laughs) out I tried to throw a baseball the other day and my arm felt like it was going to fall apart, but (laughs) that shouldn't take too much time. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a matter of getting some time and a plan to yeah. make it happen yeah and ideally finding one other friend that i can get to kind of help it along yeah so because i think i do think having someone for my that would be a hitting coach effectively on mm-hmm. the team would be beneficial yeah um, i was much more fundamental defensive player than i was yeah a hitter. yeah so Dude, well, number one, you're going to kill it with your coffee you're going to kill it with your new businesses that you're going into and i know you're going to kill it as a a coach and i feel like when you get to that first game before you get to the first game call me let me know i want to come watch this man it's going to be awesome dude so we'll (laughs) probably a year out from that all right unless i pick up a fall ball team which we'll see man american football a fall ball oh fall ball okay fall baseball so growing up that was actually the hardest time that I, especially the more competitive kids that uh-huh. wanted to play in the fall, it was harder to field fall teams because oh. the two sport athletes were playing football, football? and yeah. uh, basketball too. I think starts in like late fall. Wow, man. So um, that might be a good time to pick up a team, like a hodgepodge team that needs someone. 
Very good. And it would be kids that were more competitive. Yeah. Which yeah. I think would be good for me. Oh, yeah. I can tell <laughs> that, that you're a competitive dude, and I, I love it, man. And So, Hobbs, when our listeners hear this podcast and they want to get in touch with you, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, the two easiest ways would be either Twitter or Instagram. Both of them are at Hobbs Halbert, so at H-O-B-B-S. H-A-L-B-E-R-T. All right. Once again, Hobbs, thank you for your time for uh, coming down and being on this podcast. Thank you. Oh, you got it, man. I'd like to acknowledge my wife for making this podcast amazingly unique and super special. And to our guest that's taken the time and gathered up the courage to come share their story to the world. I truly hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have a defining moment or moments you would like to share, please reach out to me. I would love to visit with you about it and share it with the world on a podcast. Here's how to find me. Visit my website, www.definingmomentspod.com. Follow me on Twitter at defmomentspod. That's at D-E-F moments pod. Search me on Facebook, Defining Moments Podcast. Follow me on Instagram, at Defining Moments Podcast. That's all one word, at Defining Moments Podcast. Subscribe to Defining Moments Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed listening to this show, I would be extremely honored if you gave us a review. This helps boost this podcast so more people can find it. Go out and be a positive influence today, every day. Make someone smile. My name is Wong Lam, and I approve this podcast.